Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Ophira. Today on Ask Me Another, we're playing a game where you have to guess if a museum we describe is real or fake. So speed round, real or fake, there's a museum in Pittsburgh where you can play air hockey against a robot. Yeah, that's, that sounds real. Absolutely. Yeah. Next, how about a museum in San Jose that has a virtual reality simulator where you can fly like a bird above New York City? Yeah, sounds real to me. Mm, yep, indeed yeah. it is. And here's the last one. There's an art museum where visitors politely appreciate the art instead of taking selfies with it. <laughs> no, it's still, that's fake. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fake. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We've got a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are backstage talking in 280 characters. They're here to play our nerdy games, but only one will be our big winner. And our special guest today is Mojan Marno from the NBC series The Blacklist, where she plays Samar Navabi, a FBI operative with a shadowy past. Mojan also does a lot of voice work, including a character in the video game Skyrim. Turns out, actually, a lot of celebrities have appeared in video games. Kristen Bell is in Assassin's Creed. Elijah Wood is the voice of Spyro the Dragon. And I got to tell you, I got in on it, too. I don't mean to brag, but I am the voice of the rectangle in Pong. (laughs) Yes, I dated the ball for a little while, but it didn't work out. It was a rebound relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Our first two contestants will play a game about museums, or as I like to call them, culturally acceptable hoarder houses. Let's meet them. First up, Giacomo Santangelo on buzzer number one. You're an economics professor at Fordham University. Welcome. It's good to be here. Your opponent is Mikhail Etropolsky on buzzer number two. You hit people with swords for a living, by which I mean you're a fencing instructor. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Giacomo and Mikhail, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. Let's start with a guessing game called Closed Mondays. Jonathan and I will give you the name and description of a museum. You just need to tell us if it's real or made up. We're going to go back and forth, so no need to buzz in. Here we go. Giacomo, say aloha on your way in and out of the Museum of Hawaiian Shirts in Honolulu with over 35,000 colorful shirts in its collection, including signed pieces from Weird Al Yankovic. Real or fake? Real. Oh, I'm sorry. That is fake. It sounds so cheap and easy to put together. (laughs) (laughs) Mihail, tour delicious curated meat exhibits at the Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota. The Spam Museum features Spam ambassadors handing out free samples of Spam. (laughs) Real or fake? Fake. No, that's real. That's a real (sighs) museum. I hope everyone's rethinking their career choices, knowing now that you could be a spam ambassador. Yeah. That that is a possibility. It might, be, it might be too late if you haven't gone to the right schools. Giacomo, yodelehi-hu, yodelehi-you at the Museum of Yodeling in Interlaken, Switzerland. Real or fake? Real. I'm sorry, that is fake. Come on, what's going to be in the Museum of Yodeling? Some Ricola candy. Ricola candy. (laughs) It's just an advertisement for Ricola, really. The Ricola Museum of Yodeling. Mihail, hitch yourself to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the International Towing Museum, honoring tow trucks and the people who operate them. Real or fake? Oh, come on. Um, (laughs) Well... They, they're pretty big on their trains down there, right? So I don't know if they want to honor trucks. I'm going to say fake. No, that's real. Oh. I know, I know. 
I know. The full name of the museum is the Towing and Recovery Hall of Fame. Here are your last clues. Giacomo, tired of museums that only display good art? No problem. Visit the Museum of Bad Art in Boston, real or fake. (sighs) I know. Real. Yes, that is real. The paintings include Blue Lady with iPod and spewing Rubik's Cubes. A Yelp review did say it wasn't bad enough. You can't win. (laughs) Mihail, if you love museums, you will love, love the Museum Museum in Oslo. The collection houses blueprints, artifacts, and scale models of the world's greatest museums. So you can see the Louvre, the Guggenheim, and the Prado in less than an hour. Real or fake? Real. I'm sorry, that is fake. Oh, yeah. no. I know. It's a great idea for a museum, and I would totally go, but yeah. it is fake. It's also called the internet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Puzzle guru Archung, how did our contestants do? It was a close game. Giacomo, well done. You're one step closer to our final round. Next, we'll play a game about television episodes that show off which actors can sing and which can be made to sing. Uh, But first, let's check in with our contestants. Giacomo, you teach a class on the economics of movies. So what does that look at? All too often when people talk about economics or any basic behavioral science, you bore the hell out of your students by going over so many dry facts when if the behavioral science makes sense, you should be able to see it in life. So I make my students sit for three hours a day for a week for a month uh, watching various popular films. Okay, so which one is a perfect film to watch in an economics class? Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, Uh, Yeah, sure. Sleeping Beauty. The original 1959 Disney film. Sleeping Beauty. I'm just, I, I have not reviewed the story in a while. Okay. So what are we dealing with the economics there? Well, in the beginning of the film, because Maleficent is not invited to the party, she curses Aurora, uh, and in order to save his daughter, the king burns all of the spinning wheels in the entire kingdom, thus casting the entire kingdom into Pornness. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Which by itself goes against um, John Stuart Mill's utilitarianism, which is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, well, I, I, I was going to start by saying that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Mihail, if I wanted to take up fencing, what life lessons would I learn? Hmm. Um, well, there's always a way out of something. If, if there's a situation that's not favorable... Um, if you fail, you can obviously uh, learn from that and you can correct it for next time that happens and kind of improve your situation. Because in a fencing match, you know, if one action doesn't work, then usually the opposite of that action will have worked. Also known as the George Costanza method. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When I think of sports and fencing, I always go to the George Costanza method. Okay, so I like the idea that there's always a way out. So you're you're sort of problem solving the whole time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Critical thinking, I guess, if you want to summarize it. That's what it teaches. Yeah. Okay, let's go to your next game. We have an audio quiz for you called Say It With a Song. Every so often, a television program decides to come up with an excuse to make everyone break into song. So you just need to ring in and identify the television show. Giacomo, you won the last game, so you win this, and you go right to the final round. Mihail, you need to win this, or you have to be Giacomo's understudy. Here's your first clip. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory, some kid is dreaming, and we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. (laughs) Giacomo. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, that's correct. (laughs) They were always raising the stakes on that show. Here's your next one. When the hero of this program is trapped by the music meister in a dream, he must make it to the end without dying. Super friend. When it comes to buddies, pal, you're the best. I love you more than the lightning ball that wear on my chest. Giacomo. Batman. 
It was actually called Beware the Batman, Brave and the Bold. And Neil Patrick Harris played the music meister. <laughs> I'm, it feels like your answer is perfect, but it is not correct. No? No. I feel like you know more about your answer that I would like to explore. <laughs> it's not what we were looking for, uh, but let's put a pause on that. Mihail, can you steal? Not at all. Not at all? Can I guess okay. again? Can you guess again? I mean, not for a point, but you but can. But can I guess anyway? Why not? Is it the flash? Yeah, that's okay. the answer, yeah. In this special episode, the Oswald State Correctional Facility puts on a musical variety show. Look, it's time to face the music. Bye-bye. Giacomo. Oz. Oz is correct. Yes. Mihail, how you doing? Just checking in. <laughs> I wish I hadn't had those uh, kids to get in the way of my TV watching. <laughs> <laughs> Preach it, brother. Uh, let's see about this next one. A visit to the land of Illusia helps mend the differences between our hero and her good friend, Gabrielle. Of course, all in song. This damaged past can never heal Until this nightmare book is closed <laughs> Giacomo? Xena, warrior princess. That is correct, yes. <laughs> Mihail, you knew that one? Yeah, that was the one I knew. <laughs> All right, this is your last clue. In this sitcom, a hospital patient suffers an aneurysm, causing her to hear and see everyone break into song. You belong at Doctors, nurses, patients, dead guys. Welcome to Sacred <laughs> Giacomo. Scrubs. That is correct, yes. Puzzleger Archung had our contestants do. Well done, Giacomo. You won both games and you're headed to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Giacomo in our final round, and we'll talk to actor Mojan Marno and ask her if playing an operative on television has made her more suspicious about life. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity don't begin or end with the news cycle. That's because we know race and identity impact every person and influence every story. We're getting into all of it with new voices each week on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Archung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It is time to introduce our special guest. She plays Samar Navabi on The Blacklist on NBC. Please welcome Mojan Marno. Hi, thanks Hi. so much for coming on Ask Me Another. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited. And this was a big day. You were shooting today. We were. We were shooting our 100th episode. Yeah. So, and was there a celebration? There was. There was a big uh, cake that nobody ate. 
Um, they just, it was like it had a big picture of James Spader's face on it. And, and we like stuck a knife in it, and, but nobody put it in their mouth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's a big deal. This is a, I mean, this is a long-running television yeah, show. Yeah, it is. It's exciting. And you play Samar Navabi, a Mossad operative, on this wildly popular show. But you were a fan of the show before you were on it. Yeah. You so watched it. I came on in the second season, and all throughout the first season, I was auditioning for random guest stars on the show, and so I usually watch a show that I'm auditioning for, and so I started watching it for that reason, and then I got hooked on it. And then at some point towards the end of the season, they like slit the throat of the ethnic chick, and I was like, Oh, they're gonna get it. They're gonna be hiring more ethics. <laughs> I can slip in there. And then, so I called my manager and I was like, they killed the Indian girl on Blacklist. And she's like, uh huh. And I was like, so, you know, they're, <laughs> watch out for it. And then, like, two months later, I had an audition and, and it worked out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So when your character, Samar, was introduced, she was very mysterious. And still is. And still is. Yeah, well, we're yeah. finding little by little yeah. more and more about her. Did you do research on this character, or are you just sliding in and, like, figuring it out? I did research about what uh, Mossad training would be yeah. and also what FBI training would be. And they have, they have, like, experts and specialists to help you out with that on the show and sort of hanging around our set <laughs> telling us, like, <laughs> no, that don't hold the gun like that. That looks done (laughs) so and then I talked a lot with the showrunners about what they envisioned for her and then we kind of came up with a joint idea for her background okay so you were part of that process yeah I think well originally they had they had thought I mean it was a logical conclusion that a Mossad agent would be from Israel and then they cast me and my parents are Iranian and I'm Iranian American so they thought like oh that's cool we'll just use your actual background. So then there was a bit of a kerfuffle because they wanted me to be Iranian, but also Mossad agent. So we kind of figured that out. And do you have any input on your character arc going forward? Uh, not so much. No? no. How would you like your character to develop through the show? I think it's always interesting when you get to play a lot of different shades of a person. So we've seen her for many seasons be very tough and very uh, hard to read. And and I think it would be fun to get to explore m- more of her vulnerabilities. And mm-hmm. also maybe, like, you know, maybe she gets wild. <laughs> maybe. I like that. I mean, I'm sure she drinks. <laughs> Why not? So in addition to acting, you write screenplays, and one of your uh, screenplays was turned into an actual piece of theater called When the Lights Went Out, which was about your experience in 2003 in New York City when there was this blackout, which I remember. So what was it about your experience that you were like, this needs to be a piece of work? Well, it was a remarkable night in New York. And it was in 2003, and it was in August, and it was one of the hottest days of the summer. And then there was suddenly this entire blackout throughout the Northeast, and it turned into a block party. And I remember walking the streets with a friend of mine the whole night, and there were um, homeless men sleeping next to businessmen in the park, and everybody only had the money that they had in their pockets because ATM cards didn't work and credit cards didn't work. Right. So that sort of leveled the playing field economically in a really interesting way. And so that was the beginning. Yeah. And then I was like, what if there's a romance? And what if there's a couple who hates each other and they're stuck with each other all night? And then some immigrants. And then, you know, that was what happened. <laughs> Very cool. And also, you're working on a screenplay um, that is called Yalda. Can you tell us about what that is? Yeah, so I've written a screenplay that I'm going to direct, and it's about an Iranian family uh, splintered after the revolution, told in three perspectives, one from the perspective of the daughter, who's Iranian-American, based on I have no idea who. <laughs> and um, then we, and that's present-day Los Angeles, and then the second part is sort of the whole story told from the mother's perspective in the 70s, starting from the 70s in Tehran. And then the third act is the entire story of the family, but from the father's perspective. And he uh, emigrated to Sweden. And this is autobiographical. I mean, 
mean, it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some other people's stories. It's, it's fiction, in. yeah. Uh, another thing that I really like is that you participate in something called the 52nd oh, Street yeah. Project. So this is a program that casts actors in plays written and directed by 10-year-olds? Yeah, they're between 10 and 13, and they teach kids how to write and act and, you know, and so this particular thing that I'm doing right now actually is uh, they take the kids away on a retreat, um, they write a play, a 10-minute play, and then they cast professional actors to be in them, and then they have a professional director, and we bring the 10-year-old's play to life, and it's extraordinary. It's so funny. So you are getting into the brain of a 10-year-old. It's extraordinary. Okay. The girls' plays are so much more sophisticated (laughs) than the boys' plays. The girls' plays are all about you know, how do we socially interact with each other? They're about stereotypes, and, and, and they're so deep and so emotional, and all the guys are like dragon fights and swords and stabbing <laughs> each other. And There was this, I have to just say this, there was this one play that I, I will never forget that it was these two girls, and one was the brainy girl and one was the beautiful girl. And the brainy girl was secretly beautiful, and the beautiful girl was secretly brainy, but they both knew they couldn't be both. <gasps> right? And I was like, oh, what are we doing to our I girls? Know, what, are we doing? what are we doing to our young girls? Yes, I was, but it's profound, right? It's That's totally it's profound. St- stuck with me. So you uh, put on Instagram a page from your own nine-year-old <gasps> diary. I did. So you, first of all, you kept a diary when I you did. were nine years old? I kept a diary from age eight till about 22. And then I took a 10-year break. And then at 32, started writing in my journal again. <laughs> uh, so when you were nine, what did you write about? It was like, why I like John. And then the next week, it was like, pros and cons of John. And the week after that, it was like, why I hate John. <laughs> and why doesn't John like me? I was like, girl, he didn't like you. <laughs> I was reading through it, and I was like, why was I wondering whether or not he liked me? Anyway. What about Eric H.? Ooh. He was in the page on the Instagram. Oh, my God, he Instagram. was, and he liked me, and I didn't like him. Ugh. I, I have learned nothing. <laughs> All right, are you ready to play an Ask Me Another Challenge? I am, but I'm nervous. No, you'll be fine. Okay. okay. Everyone, give her a hand, Mojan Marna. So in addition to acting, writing, Instagramming your journal, you narrate audiobooks. I do. Okay, so how did you get into that? Um, you know, I, I like all actors, we are always scrambling to figure out how to, you know, pay our bills and live. And um, this was one of them. This was a great way. And I, I met a guy at a party in L.A. who was like the Robert De Niro of audiobooks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was like, re- like a very successful audiobook narrator. And I asked him how I could get involved. And I guess so many people asked him that he had a Word doc prepared for this question. Oh my God. And he just emailed it to me. And it was like, you have to make a demo. And then you have to like cart it around to all these audiobook conferences. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's yeah. bananas. Sounds like so, so much I work. I left it completely alone. And then a year later, he emailed me and was like, there's an audition for an audiobook about, um, it was a YA novel set in Afghanistan. And I was like, okay. So I auditioned for it and got it, and then it, then a career was born. Okay, yeah. So based on that, your game is actually about celebrity audiobook narrators. We're going to play you a clip. You just have to tell us who the celebrity is, or what book they're reading, or if you want to be all fancy, you can tell us both. Oh, damn. So let's give it a shot. And if you do well enough, listener Jason Polson from American Fork, Utah, is going to win a Rubik's Cube. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Now you have a motivation. Okay, wonderful. Okay, here we go. This I Got You Babe singer read this children's book about animals who are not very accepting. But how big he was and all gray, and compared to the other ducklings, how ugly. Cher? Yeah. I wouldn't have known it was Cher if you hadn't said, I got you, babe. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it didn't sound like her. That's her reading 
The Ugly Duckling. This is a line from the book. Uh, what a strange looking one you are, but that won't matter to us as long as you don't marry into our family. <gasps> the poor little duckling had no thought of marrying. He only wanted a quiet place to rest oh, and a little water to drink. Oh, no. That's awful. I know. They read that to children? They, they had not anymore, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> this action movie star has a very particular set of skills, including conducting a train to Santa's workshop. As our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole, we slowed to a crawl. So crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. Uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, that's right. He's also, like, he's, like, smoking hot. That's a smoking hot man. Liam Neeson yeah, smoking yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I, I generally know th- their voices. <laughs> Do you know the book? No. The Polar Express. When I mean, Liam Neeson I, reads this version, uh, a kid gets kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> okay, this is your last clue. She won an Oscar for her work in Les Miserables and may be angling for a role in Wicked based on this audiobook performance. We cannot be far from the road of yellow brick now, remarked the scarecrow as he stood beside the girl. Oh, uh, oh, Anne Hathaway. Yes, that is correct. And do you know the book? It's The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Yeah. that's correct (laughs) as well. Well done. Uh, I'd say you're pretty amazing at that, but let's no. let's toss it over. Puzzle Archung, how did our special guest do? Congratulations, Mojan. You and Jason Polson both win. Ask me another Rubik's Cube. Yay! <laughs> the Blacklist returns with new episodes in January and airs on Wednesdays on NBC. Give it up for Mojan Marno, everybody. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next two contestants will play a game that fell off the Weekend Edition Sunday truck this morning. Let's meet them. First up, Catherine Miller on buzzer number one. You're a contract attorney and have a fascination with crimes and criminal law. Welcome. Thank you. Catherine, let's first talk about your, you say, a weird fascination with crime and criminal law? I mean, it's semi-healthy. I'm just obsessed with, you know, mass murders and crime shows, but I don't do anything. I just read about it. Okay. (laughs) Do you think you could commit a crime? No. Okay. Do you think you could get into the mind of a criminal? Yes. Okay. And is that fun? It can be. It can be? Yeah. I try to think of, I guess, how I would do it and how I'd get away and see how I think the show is going to (laughs) end. Okay. Yeah, I like it. It's very smart. (laughs) Thank you. Your opponent is Leah Berkowitz on buzzer number two. You are a rabbi in Poughkeepsie. Welcome. Thank you. Leah, what is the weirdest thing as a rabbi you've been asked to do in your community? I was once asked to bless the opening of a Golden Corral buffet restaurant. I don't remember the last time I had a fine meal at the Golden Corral, but I'm going to say not very kosher. Uh, No, it it is not. (laughs) I actually wasn't available that evening, so I wasn't able to do the blessing. And the restaurant closed after six weeks. (laughs) That's what happens. Yep. Sad. That's a sad story all around. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of people that could have gotten together and saved a Golden Corral. (laughs) Remember, Catherine and Leah, win two games and you get to our final round. So let's go to your first game. We've got a word game for you called Letters Which. In this game, we took common phrases that are two words long and shifted one of the letters to make a different, funnier two-word phrase. Puzzigur Archung, will you please give us an example? I sure will. So if I said, start with the most watched U.S. sports event of the year, end with a fantastic bird of prey, you'd answer Super Bowl and Superb Owl. So the hint is the letter that shifts will always be the first letter of the second word in the phrase. We'll do it together. <laughs> all right, yeah, we're all here. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Here we go. Start by reformatting your essay to make it twice as long. 
end with the speed of a tennis match where players are in teams of two? Leah. Double space and doubles pace. That's right. That That is well done. Start with a platter for carrying chai or Earl Grey. End with a laser that shoots from a cow's udder. <laughs> Leah. Uh, tea tray and teat ray. That is correct. Yeah. Nice. Don't drink that milk. <laughs> <laughs> Start with an actor who played George McFly in Back to the Future. End with someone who enjoys <laughs> thoroughly cooked bacon. Leah. Crispin Glover and Crisping Lover? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I was like Michael J. Foxy something. <laughs> totally wrong. I like that you were laughing at the thought <laughs> of this answer in your brain, Leah. Yeah, the, um, the bacon thing, you know, that's not... Yeah. <laughs> For a rabbi, that's a big moment. Yeah. Bacon has yeah. to... We covet. <laughs> <laughs> Start with a raw cabbage salad side dish. End with a rule made by fashion designer Kenneth. Leah. Coleslaw and Coleslaw. That's right. All right, this is your last clue. Start with what you need in your hand when you slalom down the slopes. End with what happens when you don't cheer for a matador. (laughs) You got this. Leah? (laughs) Ski poles and skip olays. Yeah, that's correct. Puzzaker Archung, how did our contestants do? Leah is like you were born to play that game. (laughs) Well done. You're you're one step closer to our final round. If you've ever stayed up late looking up at the stars and thought about how small we are compared to the infinite vastness of the universe, you should be a contestant on our show. Just go to amatickets.org. Coming up, Jonathan Colton will parody our favorite grunge band's hit about deodorant. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. The Bullseye podcast is, according to one journalist, the, quote, kind of show people listen to in a more perfect world. So make your world more perfect. Every week, Bullseye puts the pop in culture, interviewing brilliant authors, musicians, actors, and novelists to keep you on your pop culture target. Listen to the Bullseye podcast, only from NPR and Maximum Fun. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Archung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We are here with contestants Catherine and Leah, and during the break we all changed into flannels, ripped jeans, and combat boots for our next music parody game. Just kidding, the 90s are back, we're kind of already wearing that. Let's check in with our contestants. Catherine, you are obsessed with the song <laughs> Ice Ice Baby? Yes, okay. that is true. <laughs> okay, why? Why that song? I, I don't know. When I was in high school, I was in a pageant, and I danced to that song for a my talent. And then one of my good friends and I, we actually won a talent show and were, was flown to the Philippines 
based on that song. You want a talent show singing that song? Yeah, our office, they put together this talent show and they wanted to make sure all the offices across the world got to know each other. So we competed here in New York and won and they flew us to the Philippines to put on a show. Are you singing and dancing? or are you? Yeah, we rewrote lyrics to the song, to the tune of Ice Ice Baby, and then we performed it. To be about? Our work. So, <laughs> yeah, it had to be, I, I think it was themed. We had to do, I don't know, we rewrote it to what we do as, as attorneys at our company. Can you give me one line just so I can you get You know, I thought head? of it on the way here and I don't remember. Besides stop, collaborate, and listen. I know we started that. Stop, you know? collaborate, and listen. <laughs> That's how it starts. That's pretty good. I like that already. Uh, Leah, when you are not performing official rabbi duties and you're just hanging out with your friends, are you hanging out with other rabbis or atheists? <laughs> Actually, uh, all of my friends up in Poughkeepsie are priests and ministers, and I have, I have one priest with me tonight. Is that, is that the person who keeps going woo very loudly in the back? Yes, it is. That's, that's good. I like it. Uh, do, you, uh, do you argue about faith? Um, we usually just talk about what's going on in our congregations. Yeah, okay. That's the, those are the only people who would believe what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do that and go on outings or hang out? Yes, actually, for uh, our friend Heather's 40th birthday, we went, uh, Heather and I went skydiving. Oh, okay, sorry. It sounded like you all went skydiving. Oh, no, just the two of us. The priest didn't want to come. Really? The priest did not want to take a leap of faith. <laughs> it was just the minister and the rabbi. She ruined the joke. <laughs> okay, let's go to your next game. Catherine, when you think of being a teen, what smell comes to mind? Noxima face wash. <laughs> yes! Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That smell is amazing. Yes, good answer. Leah, when you think of being a teen, what smell comes to mind? Banaka mouth spray. Whoa! <laughs> Okay, what? I can't even think of what that is, but it's a mouse spray. What did you use it for? I didn't use it. The boys in our oh. school were obsessed with it, so they it's were minty. constantly going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you got to keep your mouth minty fresh just in case a girl kisses you. <laughs> Doesn't ever happen. Just but in case. Just in case. <laughs> so your next game is a music parody game called Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Leah, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're in the final round. Catherine, you need to win this, or we'll make you join our improv team called Nirvan Ha Ha. <laughs> so, here we are now, Jonathan, entertain us. All right, I will. We rewrote Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit to make it about words that end with the sound teen, as in routine or nicotine. So just ring in and answer. Here we go. Miss Antoinette, she lost her head because her people had no bread. They could eat cake, but instead to this contraption she was led. Leah. Guillotine? Guillotine is correct. They don't want to risk infection. It's for everyone's protection. This new virus is contagious. They can find us. It's outrageous. <laughs> a hint? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe a hint. If you're very contagious, the doctors might put you in this. Leah. Quarantine? Quarantine is right. Nice. Malted powder, chocolate flavor, add to milk a taste to savor. Yum. <laughs> Leah. Ovaltine. Ovaltine, you got it. We checked, they still make it, just so you know. They still make <laughs> they it. They still make it? Yeah. Okay, here we go. These crackers made from flowery dough I fill my mouth with them and blow My whistle fails And though I try I can't make noise My mouth's too dry Catherine Saltine Saltine, that's right Comes in flavors made for chewing. Got no sugar, nothing doing. 
what's your dentist so afraid of? Sounds like what your teeth are made of. <laughs> it's a thing you chew and it's sugarless. Catherine. Dentine? Dentine is right. I know you both were trying to get Trident in there, but you're like, Teen Dent, how does this work? Teen, teen Dent. Teen Dent. <laughs> it's about a haunted Plymouth, Stephen King book, gruesome finish. Ew. Leah. Christine. Christine is right. I was so scared of Plymouths after that movie. That was a, a very creepy, creepy movie. They all are. I mean, thanks to Stephen King, I was scared of what, like, hotels, twins, <laughs> yeah. uh, cars, clowns. clowns. Vampires. Vampires, telekinesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we go. You take some fries and add cheese curd to come up with this foreign word. Then add some gravy, just a speck. They like to eat it in Quebec. Leah. Poutine. Poutine, you got it. This is your last clue. It's in orange things, helps your vision, make a healthy food decision. Eat some spinach, you can bear it, sweet potatoes or a carrot. Vitamin A, vitamin A, vitamin A. Catherine. Carotene? Carotene or beta carotene, that is correct. Our Chung, how'd they do? Well done, Leah. You won both games and you're moving on to the final round. While Giacomo and Leah get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is Mystery Guest. A stranger is about to join us on stage. Jonathan and I have no idea what this person does or what makes them special, but our puzzle guru, Art Chung, does. That's right, Ophira. You and Jonathan will work together as a team to figure out our Mystery Guest secret by asking yes or no questions. Mystery Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi there. I'm Chloe Swantner, and I ply an unusual trade here in the city. You ply an Apply. unusual trade. Is this trade something you have to train for? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, are, are you a performer of some kind? Nope. Are you making a physical product? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's not a product of the mind. <laughs> no. no. Do you work with your hands to make this thing? Definitely. Sort of an art artisan? Uh, yes. 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 Crafty. Yes. Is there a particular uh, substance that you, you need to make this, these things? Definitely. Definitely. You have a glint in your eye right now. So this substance that you use is clearly unique and interesting. Is it mercury? <laughs> <laughs> is it uranium? <laughs> no. Is it an element? It is. All right. Or it's not an element. No, it's not a scientific element. It's not a scientific element. It's not a scientific element. So it's a compound of some kind. It's some atoms, but disparate s- atoms linked together in molecules. But maybe it does mean it's synthetic? <laughs> it probably is synthetic. I don't know. That's a good question. Is it, is it a synthetic situation? Not usually. Not you know, it's a trade. Yeah, it's a trade. Uh, I, you might also characterize it as a craft. Are there fibers involved? Your yarns? I don't want to mislead you. No. Not primarily. Not primarily. Um, What else are crafts? Uh, Glass? Is there glass? No. Okay. Okay. Would you make things out of wood? Indeed. Okay, we did it, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Would I have this item in my house? Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, do you make cuckoo clocks? No. (laughs) Uh, Furniture of some kind? Is it art? No, I mean, I don't no, I mean, it, it's functional. It's functional. 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 Yeah. Okay. Are you making the actual structure of a house? Huh? No. Are you making things that are uh, tools or utensils? 
Yes. Um, and I think you are pretty familiar with this tool. Oh, she's giving hints as she oh. speaks. Is, do you make guitars? Very close, yes. Do you make some kind of musical instrument? Yes. Very close. Are you, are you a luthier? Yeah. Ah. So Chloe is the co-founder of Brooklyn Luthery, a restoration and repair shop for stringed instruments like guitars and violins. But in addition, Chloe builds custom violin family instruments on commission. She's currently building a mandola, which is related to the mandolin. So I imagine you play instruments. I do, yeah. And then what was the trajectory in your career path that led you to want to be, you know, to be making them and restoring them? I'm from a family of people who work with their hands, and so that was attractive alone. Um, I met a luthier uh, while I was going to college, and I just was really attracted to how portable the trade could be, actually. It's all hand tools and... um, yeah, the fasc- fascination began there. Through the restorations that you do, has anyone brought you something that you were too uh, scared to work on because of its value? Or maybe it was just so far gone? Uh, so far gone, I would say. Yeah. yeah. We get some really intriguing uh, instruments through our shop. Um, I've never been too scared because of value or anything, but we do, yeah, we do have to say no to, to <laughs> nightmare cases. <laughs> yeah. Somebody what, brings in a violin that's been run over by a car. You're like, I can't. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how long does it take for you to make a? I'm trying to think. What, what, like a violin. Yeah. How about a violin? That's like a big deal. I imagine it's pretty time consuming. Um, I guess if I was doing it full time, five days a week, it probably would take me three months to build a violin. Wow. Probably people are faster. But, but, <laughs> but no, it's it's really involved. It's really involved. Honestly, and, and Chloe, it's just a few pieces of wood, and then yeah. you put the pegs on and the wires. It's not hard. It doesn't seem that hard. You know, from from firewood to like a varnished violin. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And Wait. what's the hardest thing about building a violin? Probably just the like titillation of not knowing what it's going to sound like till you're completely finished. I think oh, is yeah. the hardest part. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Everyone give it up for our mystery guest, Chloe Swatner. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Giacomo Santangelo, who uses Sleeping Beauty to teach about John Stuart Mill, and Leah Berkowitz, a rabbi who once was asked to bless a golden corral. Puzziger or Chung, take it away. Thanks, Ophira. Giacomo and Leah, your final round is called The In Crowd. Every answer is a three-word phrase or hyphenate that contains the word in. For example, if I said female parent of one's spouse, frequently depicted in comedy as an overbearing or meddling presence, you'd say mother-in-law. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Mojan Marno. We roll the 20-sided die backstage, and Giacomo is going first. Here we go. Giacomo. It's a golf term for a lucky shot when a ball hit from the tee finishes in the cup. A hole in one. That is correct. Leah, expression used to wish someone who has passed away a state of tranquility in death. Rest in peace. That is correct. Giacomo, term that refers to the U.S. president's role in relation to the U.S. armed forces. Commander in chief. That is right. Leah, military term abbreviated with the letters M-I-A. Missing in action. That's right. Giacomo, a woman whose official job is to attend to the needs of a queen or princess. Lady in waiting. That's right. Leah, Bonnie and Clyde, Leopold and Loeb, and Butch Cassidy and a Sundance Kid are all examples of this term for accomplices committing illegal acts. Partners in crime. That's right. Giacomo, a 1997 film about agents J and K who police extraterrestrial life forms on Earth. Men in Black. That's right. Leah, a recurring Muppet Show sketch set aboard the USS Swine Trek featuring Captain Link Hogthrob and Dr. Julius Strangepork. <laughs> Pigs in space. That's right. More bacon. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the halfway point, and the score is tied at four points each. Giacomo, figure of speech used to indicate irony involving the placement of a muscular mouth organ. Tongue in cheek. That's right. Leah, Scott Bayo sitcom about a student taking care of three children while attending college. Charles in charge. That's right. Giacomo, 
Number one hit for Beyonce in 2003 that went on to win Grammys for Best R&B Song and Best Rap Slash Song Collaboration. Crazy in Love. That's right. Leah, 2000 Christopher Guest film about quirky dog owners. Best in Show. That's right. Giacomo, a two-part 1990s Tony and Pulitzer winning Tony Kushner play about the AIDS crisis. Angels in America. That's right. Leah. A 1924 George Gershwin composition, combining elements of classical music and jazz, later used in United Airlines ads. Rhapsody in Blue. That's right. Scores tied. You each have one question left. Giacomo, this 1987 comedy about a night of childcare gone awry was Christopher Columbus's directorial debut. Adventures in Babysitting. That's right. Leah, you need this question correct to stay in the game. A 2002 romantic comedy starring Jennifer Lopez and Ray Fine. Made in Manhattan. That is right. Well done. Well done, guys. We're going to a tiebreaker. Hands on your buzzers. It's a common Mother's Day treat. This involves serving the first meal of the day to someone while they're still on their mattress. Leah. Breakfast in bed. That is correct. You're both amazing. Well done. Came down to the buzzer, and it was a great game. Thank you so much, Giacomo. And congratulations, Leah. That's our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Archung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Eric Feinstein, Greg Pliska, and senior writers Greg Lightman and J. Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another's produced by Mike Katz of Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern Madeline Kaplan, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Akabe, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our Production partner WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, it's Puzzle Guru Art Chung. We have a live taping of Ask Me Another at the Bell House, Monday, April 9th, with actor Ntare Guma Mbaho Muine. You've seen him on the TV series Treme and Heroes, and he's currently starring in the Showtime series The Shy. Tickets available at amatickets.org. Next time on Ask Me Another, break out your guitar tuners because students from the Brooklyn Guitar School assist us with an audio game. Can you guess what songs these amateur rockers are trying to play? Then we challenge contestants to a game where we turn movies into video games. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles for Games and Trivia. Is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.